As Pastor Campbell mentioned at the outset of the service, things do look a little bit different in here. Um, Susan Gobin, our Director of Music, is on piano down front rather than on organ upstairs. The organ is offline preparing for the renovation work that uh, is to be done. Uh, choir is down front here, not upstairs. Um, the Stations of the Cross flanking uh, the sidewalls of our sanctuary all taped up in advance of the painting work to be done. And uh, we will ask for your help at the close of this service to help uh, move things out in advance of the uh, lighting and electrical work to be done and the uh, painting work that will follow after that. We'll be moving into the fellowship hall. How will we be blessed through that? I really look forward to, to that worship experience in the fellowship hall, our congregation's first sanctuary. There may be a few among us who actually remember worshiping in the sanctuary. Raise your hands. Uh, a few of you do remember that as well. Wonderful. So we'll be back where we started again, and that will be next weekend. How will we be blessed through that worship experience of being in the fellowship hall? I think that's a good question to keep before us all as we're in this interim time. So what does it mean to be blessed? We hear that word, we use that word in conversation, probably more than we're actually aware of. That was a blessing for me. I've been richly blessed, dot, dot, dot blessed or blessed, however it is going to be pronounced, that word crops up in the scripture lessons for today. In the Old Testament lesson, the prophet Jeremiah tells us this, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when heat comes, its leaves remain green, is not anxious in the year of drought, does not cease to bear fruit. I love that image of a beautiful tree that is in full foliage, blooming, and that is what God's word tells us the child of God is like as our roots sink deeply into the waters of holy baptism. Well, the psalm for today echoes what Jeremiah the prophet has to say almost word for word. If you caught that, the very first word of the very first psalm is blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Did you get that image? Walk, stand, sit. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. And in the gospel lesson, Jesus also talks about what it means to be blessed in his sermon on the plain. It is that one word, blessed, that becomes the theme for preaching this day. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching, the hearing, and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. 
in Luke's gospel after Jesus had called 12 individuals out from the larger group of his disciples to serve as his chosen apostles, we read that Jesus came down from the mountain, he stood on a level place and began to teach. He began to heal those who came to him. Now we're more used to hearing about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, right? In Matthew's Gospel, but before us today is Luke's version of this. And because it takes place, according to Luke, not on the Mount, but below on the level place, it is called Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. And people from all over had come to Jesus to hear his teaching, to receive his healing. And it is then that Jesus begins with, blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who weep. Blessed are you when people hate you, exclude you, revile you, and spurn you. That word, Blessed or blessed here means to be fortunate, to be filled with bliss, to be happy. But how can you be poor or hungry, weeping or hated, and be blessed? It doesn't make any sense to us. What is Jesus teaching us here? So often in life, we equate outward prosperity with what it means to be blessed. If I have all of my needs met, if I have my wants, wishes, desires fulfilled, then God has blessed me, right? And what often lurks in the shadows here is the mistaken notion that somehow I have deserved all of this and God is rewarding me. Conversely, if I do not have all my needs or wishes or desires fulfilled, if I'm lacking, then I am not blessed. And what often lurks in the shadows here is the mistaken notion that if I do not have all these outward physical things, then God is angry with me and I am being punished. Sound familiar? We do think that way. Now, it is for sure that God does, at times, choose to bestow a physical outward blessing, whatever form that may take. But when that, for whatever in the wisdom of God is removed, or that is withdrawn, does that mean we are not blessed? Or that God does no longer love us? Hmm. You see, in Jesus' upside-down kingdom, where the last are first and the first are last, where the mighty are brought low and the humble are exalted, where the hungry are filled with good things and the rich are sent away empty, things are different. To be blessed in Jesus' upside-down kingdom does not equate with outward prosperity. Jesus nowhere 
promises this, to be blessed in Jesus' upside-down kingdom does not mean outward prosperity of having all my needs or wishes or wants fulfilled. Jesus does not teach that all people who are poor are automatically blessed because they are poor. Nor does Jesus teach that all people who are rich are automatically cursed because they are rich. So often we see only what is on the surface in life. But it is not what is on the surface that God sees. God looks deeper than that. His word tells us man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. To be poor in the kingdom of God means that I recognize there is nothing in me that merits God's grace or favor. I have no claim on God whatsoever except through the cleansing blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's cross for me and for you. And this then calls me to a heart that is not proud and lifted up because of me and what I can do. Rather, it calls me to a heart that is humble and penitent. Tomorrow is February 18th on the church's uh, on the civic calendar, and this year it happens to fall on President's Day. But on February 18th in the year 1546, the great reformer, Dr. Martin Luther, breathed his last and left this earthly life for life eternal. His last recorded words from his deathbed are these. We are beggars. This is true. And even at the very close of his life with his dying breath, Luther affirmed the saving truth of what it means to be poor in the kingdom of God. We are all of us beggars before God. It is only in Jesus and the blood which he has shed for us that we are made rich. To be hungry in Jesus' upside-down kingdom means much more than physical hunger to have an empty stomach. Now, the love of Christ absolutely calls us to address the physical needs of our neighbor who is Christ in our midst to alleviate hunger. But here in his Sermon on the Plain, Jesus means to be hungry for the kingdom of God. Matthew's version puts it like this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now we can feast on the richest of food and enjoy the best wine that we can get but what's going to happen in six or seven or eight hours? <laughs> we're going to be hungry and we're going to be thirsty all over again. And the cycle is perpetuated throughout our entire life. 
Now we certainly need food and we need drink to support this body and life, but what is going to ultimately satisfy us is not physical food and drink, but the bread of life and the living water. And that's Jesus. He tells us, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus calls us to eat of him as much as we want, to drink deeply of that living water which he gives, and we will be satisfied as nothing else can do. Where this holy hunger is found, coupled together with trust in Jesus, the bread of life, the living water, that need is more than satisfied, and that is what we do this day as we gather around the gifts of God's saving word and his holy supper where Christ, the living bread, the living water comes to us to strengthen and sustain us in faith. Blessed are you who weep, Jesus tells us. What he means here is lamenting and sorrowing over our weaknesses, our, our imperfections, our shortcomings in faith, this side of heaven, we are never there. We have never mastered it all. We have much room, all of us, to continue to grow and learn and be discipled in our faith. And when we recognize this in ourselves, that we have so much more to grow into, and our hearts ache and our eyes weep because of the sin that continues to cling so closely throughout our journey of faith, Jesus pronounces us blessed. We may not feel like we are blessed in that instance, but Jesus tells us we are. God's word tells us the sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. All of this points us then to the source of healing and forgiveness and life and salvation that is found not in ourselves, but in Jesus, who is the atoning sacrifice for all our sins. It is in Jesus where true and lasting joy is found, where tears are transformed into joy and gladness. Even now, even now, in the midst of weaknesses and imperfections and shortcomings, God is at work through the power of his spirit, shaping us, forming us, molding us to be the people he would have us be for the sake of his kingdom. 
Finally, what is perhaps the most upside-down aspect of Jesus' upside-down kingdom is how he calls us to rejoice and, in fact, leap for joy when we are hated, when we are excluded, when we are reviled and spurned because of Jesus. And that, my friends, is very counterintuitive. Jesus says, even at times like that, we are blessed beyond measure. Persecution, for Jesus' sake, can take many forms. Our brothers and sisters in Christ from Shalom Ethiopian Lutheran Church are going to be meeting upstairs as they do each Sunday in rooms 307 and 309. They have much to teach us about the cost of discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus and serve him in a hostile environment. Talk to Pastor Matiku sometime about what it means to follow Jesus under communist rule. Not easy. But he will tell you very quickly, it was through that very experience that the body of Christ in Ethiopia was purified and strengthened and built up in faith. It had the reverse effect. <laughs> and they were blessed because of it. Some say here in this land, we do not know what this looks like. It is true that there is no official, legally sanctioned persecution of Jesus' followers at this time. But to be hated, to be excluded, to be reviled, to be spurned for Jesus' sake, that is very real. And it does happen. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints that we may be strengthened and built up in faith in the midst of such things. And so let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are Hungry, blessed are you who weep, blessed are you when people hate, exclude, revile, and spurn you for my name's sake. My friends, how blessed we are in Jesus. Amen. And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. Your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. <laughs>